Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You can get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Mook for the third and final time. He pulled the hat trick. Um, and our guest this week is the co-host of the Stop Horror Time podcast, and they are also a writer at Pop Culture Beast. Welcome to the show, Kate Graham. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for um, having me on here. Thanks for doing this for the Okra course. Project. Oh, I mean, you're welcome to the Okra Project, and you're welcome to you. Um, do you want to tell <laughs> our friends out there about your show a little bit? Sure. So stop. It, it, it makes no sense in writing, but it's like, stop, horror time. And it's... That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so it's a horror, true, po- true crime podcast. We cover a horror movie of the week. We cover... Uh, real life crime or events and then we talk about if there's any like gayness or queerness to the film and usually we try to pick stuff that is because it's more fun yeah it's always yeah always a little bit yeah even if the answer is just well i'm gay while watching this like if i'm (laughs) yeah the act of (laughs) yeah watching while gay yeah under the influence that was yeah like that was the act of me watching the love witch i was just like well i'm very gay while watching this and so i think it's gay (laughs) like that that's what you're dealing with here yeah yeah no i mean you literally you wrote the article on how the guest is a lesbian movie basically i did yes thank you david is a butch icon and i will stand by my thesis on that uh i'm also for a pop culture beast that you mentioned i'm i'm gonna I'm planning on writing about about why I think Annie Wilkes is a lesbian. So, like, if you Ooh. if this is the kind of thing you're into, yeah, this is what I'm out there putting out in the world. And if it's not the kind of thing you're into, I don't know how you made it this far into this podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who have I offended already? Let's see. No, look, there, look. This is a safe space, Kate. I don't think okay, any straight people have made it this far. <laughs> good. <laughs> Wait till they hear my like, Twitter yeah, handle. Yeah, anyone who's no. who's like, <laughs> yeah, just you wait. <laughs> um, but no, like every single guest we've had so far is queer, which is nice. kind of an accident, but also I'm proud. <laughs> um, you just don't know straight people. So That's I think, fine. I, yeah, I don't I, like. I'm a little disappointed because I have a straight guest coming up, <gasps> um, and I was like, oh, I think I'm, I think I messed up, but they're very exciting. So okay, <laughs> it's okay, <working>. okay. <laughs> Anyway, what we're here to talk about today is Season 1, Episode 17 of Freddy's Nightmares, titled Love Stinks. Original air date was February 26, 1989. Here's what you could have watched instead in theaters that weekend. It's a, you know, it's a real battle royale. We've got American Ninja 3 Blood Hunt and (laughs) The Toxic Avenger Part 2. Oh. So, you you know, how everyone always complains about it's only, you know big tentpole franchises in the theaters these days it's yeah always been well like that. now is that one of the ones that james gunn was involved in i can't remember which toxic avenger he helped right i don't know but let me check right now oh so, um, sorry yeah <laughs> i'm just kidding no that's okay i'm like i have um, nothing else to add to what? this except that he might have been involved that's I mean, that's the most important thing about any trauma movie, because otherwise, why would you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> um, there are 
six writing credits on this movie. He, oh my you God. know, statistically, he's probably one of them. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> okay, never mind. There is someone named Pericles who co-wrote additional material, though. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the writers of this episode are Michael DeLuca and Jeff Freilich, who've written a million of these things. It's directed by John LaFia, who did Child's Play 2, and also the episode Rebel Without a Car, which we covered with Aaron Dries. Um, the cast... We've got John Battis as Adam's dad. He was in a movie called The Forest, which is not relevant, except that it's one of the 1982 slasher movies that I just watched. So I was like, oh, oh nice. Guy. <laughs> um, also, we've got as Lonnie Tamara Glynn um, from Halloween 5. And, you know, last but absolutely not least, as the character of Ralph, who is the uncle of... <laughs> One of the dudes in this. I can never keep track of the dudes' names. But Jeffrey Combs. Oh, my God. Like, the Herbert West reanimator. It was you, just his birthday, wasn't it? It was, Yeah, I watched it on his birthday, not even knowing. Not even knowing that he was in it. The I wish you could have heard, like, the gay gasp that I let out when I saw his name in the credits. Because I love him. <laughs> no, honestly, me too. And I watched these on my lunch break at work. So, from mm-hmm. behind my closed office door, someone heard, oh, Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> Now that's what I wanted. To, one of the things I wanted to ask about. I'm like, did you pick this knowing that he would be in it for me? Like, thank you. I think I don't think you did, but thank you either way. No. <laughs> I these things have a way of kind of serendipitously working out. They they find the people they need to find. Right. Yeah. And and I found Jeffrey Combs in my new Halloween costume uh, that I'll just be wearing in my apartment. Oh my god. We'll get there, but unfortunately, there's <laughs> yeah, a whole we'll get there. first half of the episode I before know. we get to Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> you have to earn it. You really do. You gotta, you gotta pay your dues, <laughs> and those dues open on a commercial for Beefy Boy. Well, actually, not Beefy Boy. Um, well, let's go back. Beefy Boy, um, <laughs> Kate. I don't know. Uh, I don't expect any of my guests to have listened to the show before, but Beefy Boy is basically the the central perk of Springwood. <laughs> Um, it's okay. the only, it's the only location that has continued to come back in any sort of real way throughout this show. Um, so that was like only... the connection between the two episodes, kind of. Um, it's all out of the last. This is episode seventeen, and Beefy Boy showed up in like mm-hmm. four or five of them. Okay. Um, so, but it's just it's the thing that has the most appeared um, okay. to kind of create a continuity in this universe. <laughs> and alas, we have found out that it has closed, um, probably because of all, all the murders. Yeah. Um, but it's being replaced by a pizza place called, of all things, Cheesy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're watching a commercial for that starring really hideous Italian stereotype Luigi Santoni. Yeah. Um, but while this commercial is playing, uh, a young straight couple named Adam and Laura are just going at it on the bed. Um she wants him to say i love you she is not consent with his or content with his han solo response of i know god (laughs) yeah and they've been dating for three years and he refuses and Um, not only that but then he's like what does she want from me after she literally told him what she wanted from him and he's just not it's not clicking yeah not clicking is a theme with this boy (laughs) um so yeah, she kind of storms off. Apparently, they're upstairs at a party at his house, which I know I know that's how 
high school sex apparently works in movies and stuff, but it's like, you're the host. That's just rude. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he asks people at the party, they're all making out, and he's like, have you professed your undying love for each other? And they all throw beer cans at him. <laughs> like, a cartoonish amount of beer cans. Um, okay, so, I mean, the next the next scene is we're introduced to his friend who has a vest and indoor sunglasses and an especially rednecky mullet because we get a lot of mullets here but this one's the most like i own a pickup truck out of them all <laughs> um and so they have a conversation sorry i'm just staring at my notes and my eyes are no, it's like fine i just remember I just-, I just remember like it's a i feel like it's a very 80s thing that he's like trying to sell like scalp concert tickets to someone like i guess this is what teens were doing back then because like it's a very like what's his name from fast times thing to be doing it really is and he's a very interesting character but we'll get back to him (laughs) in the more exciting half of this episode uh news at 11 (laughs) um but okay so freddie we're back with him in his liminal space he kisses a corpse looking thing and he's like oh the look of love and you're like all right (laughs) um it's a thing um okay so now at this party he meets this mysterious woman named lana who i'm like is she a ghost because this (laughs) twinkly marimba music keeps playing whenever she walks like through the room um okay so basically they start to hook up and he's trying to explain himself or something she's like no no demands no explanations tell me you love me and he does and guess what? Not a good idea. <laughs> um, so the next morning he wakes up and as happens when you sleep with someone and they share a bed with you, um, her face is completely covered by a giant body pillow. <laughs> um, is that not what happens? I don't know how you sleep, Kate, but this is not how I sleep. I just no, wake I up like, and a cat is there. Um, everybody's got to sleep. <laughs> See, that I can understand. <laughs> Um, but like her entire body is covered what like 100 yeah. it's not even like oh she's behind the pillow it is it is fully on top of her <laughs> um she is flat standing beneath this pillow and so he's like oh god i i don't know who this is i was so drunk and then he pulls the pillow away and it's laura his girlfriend and then it turns out it's still a dream cuz he starts hearing this horrible sound from beneath mm-hmm. the sheets um this part was gnarly okay kate um are you familiar with the new hit single it was gnarly um well are you familiar with the new hit single wop Uh, um yes the the radio edit of it is wet and gushy and that's the phrase that came to mind upon hearing this little bit of fully work when it is revealed (laughs) that he has this like horrible umbilical cord connecting him to laura do you know what that reminded me of i don't what sorry well, Tell oh, I, I don't know what I thought was going to be under there. Something wet and gushy, mm. like you said. What it reminded me of is, I don't yeah. know if you've... S- <laughs> have you seen Rebecca McHenry's new short film? The, the um, Separation? The title... It's just called oh, Separation, no, I, I think. Any. Well, okay, then this is going to mean nothing to you. But, like, something happens in that that really reminded me of this. So that was my first thought. But um, that's not helpful okay. right now, is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> well how can but, people watch but good body horror is what i'm trying to say yeah uh yeah it's actually kind of effective yeah yeah i feel like just i mean i've only seen a couple episodes now but any of the like actual just like night very 
hardcore nightmare set pieces are like the gore that they do like that's its strongest suit definitely not the stories <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah is, not that, so is that a theme here <laughs> yes it is a, a theme of like they have a kernel of something good in most of the stories that yeah. they completely fail to capitalize on <laughs> yeah so let me is is this a good time to ask so like yeah ask me anything <laughs> i'm trying to trying to phrase this because like was this kind of their attempt at doing like tales from the crypt for teens or something almost with like freddie as the crypt keeper narrating and like is there some like some sort of sorry uh some sort of like are they trying to do some sort of morality tale or just tell like fucked up stories um it seems like they're trying to do morality tales (laughs) and consistently failing okay um Like, Joe Lipset and I just covered an episode um, called School Days, which is completely mystifying in in what it's trying to tell because it seems to be saying, like, oh, you know, conformity is bad. You should be nonconformist. But then in the end, the happy ending is that he conforms and because he chooses (laughs) to. And then there's one about a kid who's worried about the SATs and how it's going to control his future. And then he fails and then he just gets a record contract automatically. (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, the, the the show consistently fails on pretty much every level that it tries to succeed. <laughs> well. So it it's hard to tell if it succeeded at not making a morality tale or, you know, vice versa. Right. Because then, like, keeping that in mind, I, guess I might be jumping too far ahead with this story then. But, like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around what they're trying to say, especially with the ending that we'll get to. So I'll just let you continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so they have this umbilical cord connecting them. She yeah. cleavers it, and his face gets splashed in red blood. Um, Wet and gushy. So, yeah, God, that phrase <laughs> is so much more explicit. Is that going to be than... the kids' pop version? <laughs> I think it is. Oh my God, I would, I would pay so much money to hear a kids' pop demo track of Wow. Oh my God, you um, know they're working on it. Yes. Well, the I love kids pop um <laughs> the look it's horrible but it it cracks me up the amount to which they censor the lyrics um like one of my one of their most iconic tracks <laughs> on their mixtape <laughs> is when they did tiktok back in the day um oh. instead of trying to get a little bit tipsy they say trying to get a little bit silly <laughs> and the whole the whole second verse um where she's talking about people getting crunk and trying to grab her junk and the police shutting the party down they just do another they do a another chorus instead of the verse so it's just like three choruses in a row <laughs> oh my god um just because they didn't even want to try to censor it so <laughs> they're probably probably the whole song is going to be them going like there's some kids in this house there's some kids in oh this house and then it ends yes <laughs> Anyway, um, back to Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> Sorry. No, you. Re- I could talk about Kids Bop for... that. Maybe that's my <laughs> next podcast. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but anyway, so the guy's parents come home because they've been on vacation. They actually let him have a party, so that was surprising. Yeah. Um, Dad's finger is missing, and <laughs> we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it was an accident. And... They explicitly are coming home from the mountains, so I don't understand why his dad hands him an inflatable flamingo that can hold your beer. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they had a layover in Miami. <laughs> That's the least of my worries with this. I don't. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Okay. Well, yeah. A, a greater worry is the <laughs> huge blue earrings that Lonnie wears when she shows up that match her blueberry blazer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was worried they were going to rip her earlobes right off, right on open. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, Lonnie shows up with a kiss, and his parents are like, "Ooh!" And he's like, "Oh, what have I done?" And Lonnie basically thinks that she's his girlfriend now. Laura, the real girlfriend, shows up, and he's trying to, you know, keep them separated so she doesn't find out that he had a one night stand with this woman who is single white femaleing him now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lonnie shows up all territorial, kind of just like metaphorically pissing all over him she's like he's my man now (laughs) um okay so here's my favorite scene of this part so it cuts to him having a team interview to potentially get on the white Sox, which happens (laughs) in high school i guess um but the coach okay so they're in this locker room the kid's sitting on a bench and the coach is talking to him with his leg up on the bench, leaning forward. And I'm like, this yeah, that's is what, a gay porn film. <laughs> I thought that's just what coaches do. That's the stance. But like, this isn't his school. He's from <laughs> White Sox town, wherever they live. Those nice Chicago. gentlemen. <laughs> is that where they're from? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're surprised I know that. Yeah. It's like, look, I buy White Sox from all kinds of cities and states. How oh am I supposed gosh. to know where these ones are from? Um, okay, so yeah, Lana shows up again. She interrupts and she ruins the interview by saying like, oh, he, you know, he can't commit. He would just, you know, cheat on you with another team, I guess. <laughs> and this, then... This, yeah, is your favorite, this is your favorite scene of the... Well, it's just my favorite scene because I thought it might break out into a gay porn at some point. It oh, that's okay. Unfortunately, yeah, no. Also, yeah. I mean, I not that I know a lot about sports, but wouldn't the um, scout want to watch him, like, play and not just interview him in a locker room? Yeah, and also the scout was very perturbed by this random girl coming in and <laughs> being vaguely weird, but not, like, actually revealing anything that should prevent him from being on a baseball team. Maybe he was trying to recruit him for a gay porn, and, like, he saw that a woman was coming in, and he's like, no, I gotta tap out, actually. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, mm, I've seen too many women in my life. Yeah. I need to leave immediately. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, she hits at him with a bat. He wakes up, and then he wakes up at home. He sees that his dad's ring finger has been cut off, and the dad's like, you have to be responsible with what you say to them. The women, they will do things. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he realizes that he loves Laura. He tells her so, but then he sees Lonnie on the TV behind him, and... Laura goes downstairs and Lonnie on the TV says, what's cooking? And then it turns out it's Laura's head is in a pot that's boiling and the head is made up like a drag queen. And I, I'm not sure God. why. Like, I was like, I guess they kidnapped Trixie Mattel and cut off her head because <laughs> it is not Laura. This is just the prop, the prop department not wanting to communicate with the makeup department, I guess. I guess. I think they they made that head long before they cast this role. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lonnie is like in cahoots with Adam's mom now because they're scorned women. And it is clear that they have cleavered off the dad's finger. And they're going to, I don't know, cut off parts of him, I guess. Um, and he wakes up. He says, I love you to Laura. 
Um, but then his mom and dad come home from the trip again, and they're like, oh, we brought, we met some new friends in the mountains, and we brought their daughter home with us, which is <laughs> not, not what I would, not how I would treat my child. Um, <laughs> but of course, Lonnie comes in. She's like, hey, Adam. And it's the dun 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 moment of like, I guess this isn't a dream. Who gives a shit? But isn't the big twist supposed to be that the girls are swapped? Like, were they? Yes, that's what. That's why I was like, "What is? What are you trying to tell me?" Because like, it, yeah. Because then I I looked back and remembered that in the beginning when they're like doing it on the bed, you don't see her face, and so it's really? supposed to be this big. Well, yeah, like it's supposed to be this big reveal that his girlfriend in real life was actually well Lonnie, because he goes down to talk to her and he's like, "I just had the weirdest dream," and I'm like, "Isn't that Lonnie?" And then when the the girl that comes in from the ski trip is Laura, like the blonde. Kate, what and the fuck? <laughs> you didn't notice this? I can't tell any of these white people apart. Oh, you're so gay, Brennan. It's okay. No, yeah, those were... Di- <laughs> <laughs> so that was my big question about that. I'm like, because, like, is this supposed to be saying, like, yes, appreciate what you have and tell your girlfriend you love her if you love her, but the, and that, or is it that women be crazy and even if you tell them you love them when they want to, it's just going to turn out bad for you, man, or so I don't know. I don't know what this is trying to say. I, I think, think they just wanted to, like, blow your mind with that ending, but you didn't even notice it, so <laughs> yeah, they didn't do a good a, job. There was a light breeze upon my mind. <laughs> um, you were waiting for Jeffrey Combs. I really was, because I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, did they lie to me? Right? I'm not getting the hide nor hair of this man. <laughs> um Ugh. yeah okay okay i need to i need to <laughs> reflect and meditate on this episode again um yeah i do think fully the intention was women be shopping though like i don't think it really is anything okay. else other than like you know they're uh, whatever i i can't even what straight that people deep, say nobody needs to know don't listen to them um okay true so we're back in freddy's zone he has these twin mm-hmm. old ladies that are like conjoined mm-hmm. And he says, I had to ditch my old lady. It turns out she was two-faced, which is <laughs> very random. But this is the first time another like living human being has existed with Freddy in his liminal space, which I thought was really, Ooh. it was an interesting choice. Because usually it's him interacting with a selection of plastic props and there's never been another like flesh and blood person. <laughs> He's not alone anymore. Yeah, so I was like, it's kind of nice Aww. that Freddy has buddies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, but yeah, so here's the important part of the episode. We're, we're finally yes. in the second half. Max, the bemulleted friend, um, he doesn't want to get a job. <laughs> and we learn this because he has a dream about a sumo guy hammering his hands into a metal block. <laughs> it's very intense. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. This is another one of those parts. I was like, okay, this show is going for it, I guess. That another one of the, like intense scenarios that I kind of dug. Yeah, and it's another scene that was kind like Toby Hooper esque. Like the manic energy yes. is just out the like wazoo. his hands being nailed and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th- this is just like this is coming back from a commercial break after an episode's already <laughs> ended. And you're like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> it is a chainsaw to the brain. Um, yeah, so this so, is good. I didn't I didn't realize Max was the friend at the beginning of the segment. Oh yeah, see, we can teach each other. Yeah. <laughs> about who these white people are. <laughs> um, see, I was I was primed for this because usually the second half of the episode revolves around a minor character from the first half. 
Okay. Um, so I was, I, I had my eye out. I um, do know that this guy, the actor, was in like the young Joe Piscopo and Johnny Dangerously, and I'm like, well, that's important. <laughs> that is important. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't mention it. It's okay. That's why I'm here, Brennan. <laughs> we we complete each other. Yeah, to like interrupt you and talk about Johnny Dangerously, but. I interviewed to talk about kids bop for about 20 minutes, so it's a fair trade. <laughs> well, this is your show, man. Ah, my mic fell. Sorry. Oh, no. That's okay. Oh, no. No, we're good. Okay. Um, so, Max doesn't want a job. Um, mm-hmm. He has a plan to go to the beach with his girlfriend, but he, he, he expects his mom to buy him a van because she promised. Um, yeah. But basically... There's a little surfboard poster behind him because I always, you know, put up a poster of what I plan on doing for vacation right behind my bed. And we cut to Freddy waxing his surfboard. And he's like, don't count your chickens before they fry. And then he just, <laughs> then he says, hang 10. And then he laughs at his own joke, which isn't a joke. And then he says, I kill myself. And then he laughs some more and then just says gnarly, just kind of to lead us out. <laughs> it, it is, it is, I'm, I'm glad he's. You know, he doesn't really have friends over that much. Maybe he's quarantining. Those old ladies earlier were part of his pod. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm glad he has, you know, an endless source of amusement for himself. But it's it's a strange scene. <laughs> um, we do get um, what, sh- what was snubbed for the Oscar for Best Original Song for 1989. Um, he starts singing, Babes and beaches, summer and peaches. A man of leisure is what I am. (laughs) Um, And so his mom shows up and he rubs his hands together and he's like, van time. And it's like, okay, psych. Because the mom brings in his five years older uncle played by Sir Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Oh, sorry. I was definitely only five years older. Uh, I looked it up. I'm like, so he spoke... So Uncle Ralph is supposed to be, if he's five years older, he's what, like 23? And I looked it up and Jeffrey Combs was 35 when he made this. And th- that was just so amusing to me. <laughs> and you can see every ring on that tree. <laughs> yes. Um, but also most most of the teenagers in the show are also 35. So I was like, okay, fine. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll live with this. Um, so the uncle's like, well, you need to get a job and earn the money for your vacation. And Max is like, oh, what? What? Um, so <laughs> And he's he a big shot because he went to business school. So you have to listen to him. Of course. And look, he knows what he's doing. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. But so Max gets a job at Cheesy Boy, the aforementioned pizza restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, when can I learn to make the pizzas? And Luigi's like, you can't learn the pizza yet. Even my day manager has trouble making pizza. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, wait. So who does make the pizza at this restaurant? <laughs> it's a pizza restaurant. And the owner's never there except for this one orientation day. Are they, are they just serving napkins and red pepper flakes? <laughs> Maybe they haven't opened yet. Or are they just like opening? They are just opening because they did just uh, take over uh, the Beefy Boy locale. But you'd think that having someone who can make pizza is kind of imperative. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I buy it because that's that's what always happens who ends up running these kind of places is someone with a business degree that doesn't actually understand the work they've been hired for. So I actually buy that. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, but that person, <laughs> yes, is revealed to be Jeffrey Combs. So not only does he have yep. to be annoyed by his uncle at home, also at work. 
Um, we got some foreshadowing yeah. where we, we learned that the oven can't go over 600, even though I don't know why we're using the oven because nobody knows how to make a pizza. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he sits in the corner and immediately falls asleep. And these poor teens in Springwood really need to get their circadian rhythms on point because they will <laughs> fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Um, I for, wish uh, I could do that. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I need my little Ollie melatonin gummies. I I wish I just had a you know a pizza oven to curl up next to. <laughs> um, but Jeffrey Combs kind of startles him awake, and he gets or Max cuts his face down the middle with a pizza slicer, and then wakes up again, which is a a trend on this show: the double wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to fail at the job so he can get fired, but he ends up getting put on the night shift on commission on pizza commission for pizzas he can't make um also not how restaurants work it's tips not commission yeah um he has a weird dream where he sees his dad in the oven i think is that what's happening yeah his dad that like abandoned them is in the oven i don't know that that's a plot thread that goes absolutely nowhere (laughs) it just burns right up in that oven yeah um, but his girlfriend comes to visit and he ends up putting her to work and they create this make your own pizza, teen dance party, beach blanket, bingo night, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it starts making a lot of money to the point that Ralph, um, comes in to check out what's going on. He breaks up the party and he's like, well, I'm gonna have to send you back to the day shift, which again, there's only two people working at the store. So who's working the night shift once he, once he's put back, God. Um, I just, what kind of business model is it to kick out a bunch of paying customers just because they're like teenagers? Like, yeah, it's like, I guess some of them were they, they, I mean, they're a little licentious, like they're kind of making out. So he's like, oh, this is bad for business. But also you're making money hand over fist. And also it's otherwise no one's going to be in the pizza place. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, no one else is ever there except when he brings in the youths. Yeah. his business model is really fucked up. I don't know what online business... It's, online didn't even exist yet. He went to some business school <laughs> in the back alley behind a dumpster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he breaks I up mean, the party. That's not what? even the worst part of his... Oh, sorry. I said, well, that's not even the worst part of his business model that you'll find out. I also just want to point out how funny it was that he brings the, the, this little like sack lunch to his night shift. I, I don't well, and know. Also, Did you notice that? I did. But also, he's not coming to work. He's just coming to check out what Max is up to. <laughs> so he just maybe he just brings that everywhere. I li- I'd like to think so. <laughs> is that going to be part of your Halloween costume? Oh, you know what? Yeah, it will. It will. Okay, so because this you know clearly has struck a chord with you, I want you to describe to our listeners what he- what he wears in this episode because we haven't talked about it yet. Oh, in the part I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, so you, he has do you want, a lot of do you fits, want us to get there first? The one sure, yeah. Okay, and sure. Let me I'll, bring I'll, up the I'll pic so I can describe it all. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we're back on the day shift. Ralph's like, I have ingredients you've never dreamed of. And so basically, he starts selling pie- his pizzas really quickly. And he's like, they would suck my pies through a straw. Um, and we find out that. <laughs> He is Sweeney Todding these teenagers and murdering them to make them into yep. pizzas. Um, which the people with disposable income who most reliably frequent pizza places should not be the ingredients because you're just <laughs> destroying your customer base. But, you know, you do you. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, he he uh, Max leaves, but then he comes back for his keys, and we know he's gonna discover the bodies because <laughs> there is spooky Italian music playing. It's like the <laughs> same. <laughs> it's the same like really stereotypical Italian Luigi music that we had earlier, but like in a minor key. <laughs> um. But he discovers the bodies in a freezer and we get full on maniac Jeffrey Combs revealing his, you know, yes. his psychopathy. And now it's time for the outfit. Kate, hit me with it. It's such it's such a look. I'm looking at it now so I can describe it in detail. <laughs> Please. But so he's wearing so he's he's wearing his usual like uncle look of like the short sleeve plaid shirt and everything and like a tie, but then he has his apron, he has a chef's hat, and most importantly, he has like what looks like one of those like disposable plastic napkin or plastic bibs that they give you at at like an italian restaurant and it's like tied around his neck like a little scarf and then he pulls up a butcher uh, a meat cleaver and uh it's just quite a look and doesn't it also it has that like red and white tablecloth pattern on it too right yes yeah yeah yeah. the checkers it's it's a it's an adorable little kerchief that he has created it's so cute i (laughs) i'm obsessed oh yeah and then also Look, Jeffrey Combs is an icon for a reason, and he knows what kind of yes. show he's in. Um, yes. So the next scene is that the oven is over 600 degrees, and it explodes, and we get this huge cartoon reaction scream to this oven explosion from him. And yeah. it's terrific. And then, so basically, Max ends up going, like, keeping his job, and his friend's like, they're still wiping the last guy off the sign and you just keep working at this pizza place. <laughs> and, but now Max has the glasses, the Jeffrey Combs glasses and he mm-hmm. makes human pizzas. Also, he does not have the kerchief, unfortunately. <laughs> um, flaw. I know his, his hero's flaw. <laughs> um, so, you know, Freddie comes to close out the episode. He scratches a pizza with his claws He's like, jobs can be a real nightmare. And then he eats a little eyeball off the pizza and says, special order. So this is the second time Freddy's interacted with a pizza in, in the, the same amount of years. Because there's yeah. also the night, the soul pizza from <laughs> Elm Street 4. It's fucking disgusting. Oh, my God. It's so gross. Th- this uh, The Freddy's Nightmares pizza is much less gross because they <laughs> yeah. it's less expensive. So that's nice at least. <laughs> okay. So here's, you know. What are your final thoughts about this episode? Was it a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep? I guess... Hmm. Like... <laughs> I guess a nightmare. But, like... But then Jeffrey Combs shows up and, like, elevates it all. Uh, I didn't... You... I wasn't put to sleep, at least, because they, they knew to save him for the end. So. That's true. Could you imagine if he disappeared halfway through this episode? I'd be like, well, anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, mm, maybe I'll just cancel the podcast. <laughs> he just, yeah, he's just, he's on a different level and like clearly than all these poor teens or I guess 25 year olds that are playing teens. Like, yeah. Um, but also for that reason, I do want to give this episode a dream um, from me. Okay. I, I do think both halves of this episode are kind of fun. And that's a level that the show is not always operating on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't want to look that gift horse in the mouth. And I, I did have a, a okay. good enough time watching this. <laughs> um, okay, so Kate, 
where can people find you and your podcast out there on the internet? So they can find me at Dyke Madden on Twitter and you can find uh, Stop Horror Time. Uh, we have a Twitter. It's called at, at Horror Time Pod. And then you can find us wherever you find your podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And then you can find my work on popculturebeast.com. And please do. Um, Kate has really interesting <laughs> insights that everybody needs to read. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and I can't wait for the Annie Wilkes article. Is that like a like a done deal? Is that coming out? Oh, it's it's. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 trying to save more horror stuff for October, even though I'm already celebrating, obviously. But yeah, it, it's cooking up. Okay, great. So keep an eye out for that. I certainly will. <laughs> um, and just a reminder: every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. Uh, please help us keep going by donating to the Ochre Project. You can donate through the link in the show notes, take a screenshot of your receipt, and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or DM it to me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. Um, our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Um, please rate and review us. I, I need new reviews to read and make myself feel wonderful. Um, my ego is is being crushed. Um, yeah, so you don't want that. Um, for next episode, Kate's going to be rejoining us to talk about the art of death. <laughs> a tormented young artist freaks when his latest cartoon, The Phantom, leaves from the page to do his bidding. Uh, so until next time... Uh, sweet dreams. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>